Welcome to Armchair Preaching, a podcast of the First Presbyterian Church in Lakeland, Florida. This is a podcast about God's Word, the beauty of the gospel, and what it takes to communicate that truth to others. I'm your host, Pastor Zach McGowan, and on today's episode, Pastor John and I talk about our philosophy of preaching, and we dig into this week's message in our series entitled Parables. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome back, everybody, to Armchair Preaching, episode number 55. Welcome, John. How are you doing? Good. It's good to be back. A little cold here in Florida, but it's good to be it is here very, in a warm office. It is It is chilly. It is chilly. And I know you are a huge fan of cold weather. I am, I am a huge fan <laughs> of hot weather. <laughs> that is a little, very tongue-in-cheek. I yeah, know this yeah, is yeah. De- definitely, um, definitely not your I'm, cup of tea. I'm chronically cold. Yeah. <laughs> chronically cold. Yeah, it's a it's a uh um it's it's been chilly and it's been um kind of yucky outside, uh rainy and and cloudy here in the sunshine state. So it's ironic. Somebody but, told me yesterday said you know, and it's it's true that that about mid-January to mid-February it can is, like is winter. Yeah, it can Whatever like it's going to do, it's going to happen usually in that range and it's going to be, you know, like we should see down in the maybe 20s uh, by the end of the week end of the week. We, which is unsurvivable to me. Yeah, so Sunday's going to be real fun for you because I'll we be wearing we, everything I own. We, we go into on, Sunday in church. <laughs> You'd be glad to be wearing that uh, that uh, the that, big robe, the wool robe on on Sunday. Um, so today we are uh, we're going to talk about the next message in our series in parables. But I want to talk about a really big topic and and one that we haven't. Uh, I don't think we've really touched on here in armchair preaching. You and I have talked about it. I think we've talked about it with, with uh, Pastor Kenny in the past and Pastor Rebecca. But just, um, but you and I both approach the the preaching of the Word of God because of our our background, because of our training. Mm-hmm. I think there's there's some underlying uh, motivations and underlying. Um, almost like internal guidance that we we both carry into the ministry of preaching. And so I wonder, and and, and really what you would call that is a theology of preaching or a philosophy of preaching, if you will. So I wonder if you want to, if you would talk for a second about how you approach the the general um, ministry of preaching from that philosophical yeah. theological standpoint are there mo- what are the motivating kind of mentalities and and emotions and guiding principles from the preparation i mean, th- I mean we could spend an entire hour talking about this but just th- though what are those guiding kind of principles that you go into the preached word of god with well i i went to um princeton seminary when tom gillespie was the president and um i, I was able to have some some uh, private conversation and took one class with him as well and it was really it was great to have a scholar who was also spent a lot of time as a pastor yeah and one of the things he said always stayed with me when it comes to this very topic and it had to do with his own journey and, his, and through as a as a pastor and as, pre, as a preacher he said i started out early on and i wanted to do cute things and i wanted to be splashy and i wanted to do he said i realized that i don't really have anything to say Unless I'm unless I'm seeing that coming out of the scriptures themselves, so I just I put all that aside and I just focus entirely on what is the scripture saying. Help me communicate what the scriptures are saying, and I'm sure it was the same thing uh, for your seminary experience because uh, we do come out of the same tradition yeah. and we have the same um, uh, way of approaching it. But it is very much about 
we are we are tasked with not dealing with the sort of popcorn approach to 27 different scriptures so that we can come come in with a preset theme and just show it in 27 places in the scriptures mm-hmm. we are tasked with dealing with a a one particular passage of scripture and asking the question of that scripture so it's really asking the question of god what does this say to a a live audience in 20 now 2022 yeah and so um and i thought it was and we, we were trained in that tom long and some others at uh, at princeton but i i also was able to ha- have a course with uh haddon haddon robinson professor at uh, gordon conwell seminary who was really renowned for his his um his teaching of preachers that was his his calling and one of the things that stood out also in answer to this question was it's just he really boiled it down and he said if you're all the assumptions i've just said were there you have a passage of scripture you are responsible to preach that passage of scriptures but one of his his um his main thing was there is a big idea and that was his phrase a big idea contained in that passage of scripture and so your job is to communicate that big idea so if there's any sort of north star that that guides uh, as a philosophy of preaching it is to say what is you know let's preach a passage of scripture which means you have to contextualize it and you have to talk about what words mean and how the story flows and why that would have been heard certain ways at that time just in order to translate it into modern ears before you begin to apply it so it's what is the big idea unpack that big idea and then apply that big idea yeah yeah well that's that's a a really nice succinct way to kind of put that and i would say a a big amen to everything you said i mean our our goal and one of the things when i so i've been preaching since i was 17 long before i I was a reformed person I, i you know raised in a kind of a Methodist tradition. So there's a different theology that goes on there. I I had no thought process when I first started preaching uh, at 17, what that was. I just, you know, was open up the Bible and just start, you know, preaching out of it. But, but when I became, when I really started thinking about um, those guiding principles, there were several things that really jumped out, jump out for me. And it it goes to what you say, you know, in the Scots confession, um, in t- chapter 25, I think it is, you know, the Scots Confession says that the word of God preached is, if it's rightly done, is the word of God. And every time I think about that, I, there's this big, like, lump that yeah. goes into my throat. That's a, it's a heavy, um, that's a, that's a, that's a, it's a weight. Yeah. Not a burden, but but it's there's a, a sense of you're handling something with with extreme power. Yes, yes. And it's like you, you become a person working in a uranium factory or something. Like you're you're you better be. It definitely feels like respectful that. of what you're handling. So there's that side of it that there's this this tremendous humility that you have to approach the preaching um, ministry with. The other side of it is the Isaiah passage where. You know, the prophet talks about that the word of God, when it goes out, should not return void. Mm-hmm. So there's also this idea that if, if you are if, – if we are being faithful to the word of God, then it's God's word. It's not our word. And so God and, – and we've we've talked about this various points where we've preached a message and then someone will come up and, and tell us something that they gleaned from that message. And, and we both shake our heads at various points go, did I say – I don't think I actually said that. And I – and I don't know about you, I've actually had people quote things that they heard me say, yes. and then I've gone back and listened and go, I didn't say Not once. that. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the whole idea, this this Isaiah passage that God's word is going to overrule 
whatever we do if it's wrong or is going to is going the holy spirit's involved in the whole process from our preparation and prayer time in the preparation through the delivery and the reception so the worry that that i can sometimes feel from that scott's confession in chapter 25 is it's not on me to worry about that. So those the, the, the couple things there. The, the other part of it too is, you know, one of my my philosophies of ministry in general has always come down to the the First Corinthians nine twenty two passage where Paul is going through, uh, you know, the, the ways in which he tries to communicate the gospel to people, and he talks about to the Jews, I became a Jew to mm-hmm. to reach the Jews, to the Gentiles, I became like a Gentile to reach the Gentiles, and the weak became. And he goes through this whole list, and at the very end, he says, I become all things to all people that I might, by all means possible, win some. And so that's always been a, a kind of a philosophy of ministry mindset that I've taken into the preaching. And so to try to bring the 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 sometimes very uh, difficult to understand word of God to people at whatever level they're at, knowing that there are people in the room who are very familiar with all the passages that we bring up, and maybe more familiar sometimes than the passages that we bring up, but then also being aware that there are people in the room for whom this is brand spanking new. And to say a word like Pharisee is Mm – like what is that? The most foreign thing yeah. you can say. And so we – and I think both of us really try to take time no matter how many times we've explained it. Sometimes I ask myself, do I really need to explain what Pharisees, Pharisees <laughs> I are I just did again? that today. I had that same thought today. Yeah. I was uh, talking about wedding customs uh, yeah. today. And I was like, I've talked about this I know four times in the last – Six yeah. months. And sometimes you have to even say it. Like, I know if you've been here, you know we've talked about this. But for those that haven't, you and that also for the congregation listening reminds them it isn't all about them either, right? There are other people in the yeah. room. Um, but but the idea that we, we, we preach faithful to the Word of God, faithful to what God has spoken to His people throughout all time, but making the, the, the application point and the the impact for people today. Um, I remember one of my seminary professors, um, you know, R- Richard Pratt would always talk about the epical adjustments that you have to make when understanding scriptures, like a hermeneutical principle, right? So um, we, the Bible was not written by 21st century North Americans to 21st century North Americans. I mean, God inspired the human authors to write to an original audience. Now, God in his infinite sovereign wisdom knew that 21st century North Americans would be reading it. They'd be looking back, but, yeah. But it, but it's a looking back. Yeah. You know, it's not a we we are and the and the image that um, Pratt would sometimes use is this idea is we're overhearing a conversation that's been had for two two thousand to five thousand years, and so. There's 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 a definitely a message for us today, um, and all scripture has application points for us today. But the point of it back then is not this necessarily identical to the point that it makes for us now, and the application it makes for us now. But to get to what it means for us now, we've got to understand what it meant back then, and that's which is the, the it's a it's a the difference is in order to get to what it means to us now, you got to understand what it meant then. Otherwise, what you will do is you will say, I think it means this, and you will read it into that, yeah. which is the the approach that we were trained is the wrong approach the wrong approach it is it is not is an unfaithful to the mm-hmm. to the to the centrality of the of of the word and that's a different and 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 just i i think most 
I think preachers, we know when we're hearing another preacher from a different tradition, we will hear that. We can recognize that when it's happening. I don't know that most, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not giving audiences enough credit or congregations enough credit. I don't know that most audiences or congregations really can identify that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's okay. I mean, because that does re- that, that that does make me think, though. And this is maybe the 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 other side of this question that we're we're dealing with today about a philosophy of, of preaching is that if not this, if not what we have talked about, if not this approach where we have this big idea and we we take seriously the scriptures, we unpack that scriptures, and we apply what this what comes out of that of that scripture. If not this, then what? Yeah. What else? What other possibilities? What other philosophies of of preaching are out there? I mean, I'm just curious. Out of curiosity, what what else have you seen? Well, we've seen. Out I mean, I think there? I think one of the biggest ones that we see, and you 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 alluded to it a little bit, is this whole uh, this whole idea of thematic proof texting, right? So I have this what what basically amounts to a Doctor Phil, Oprah, TED Talk kind of a thing, and I, I see something that's going on in the world, and I feel like the answer is X. Let me go look for the proof. That now X I'm going to go true. back into the scripture, and I'm going to just I'm going to just pull out out of context verse here, a verse there uh, that 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 helps reinforce that mm-hmm. that con- and and the da- so we've seen so over the course of Christian history, the danger in in that is proof texting scripture can be used to legitimize a whole mass of highly sinful unbiblical behaviors such as chattel slavery, racism, I mean goes on and on and on, uh the prosperity gospel movement that we see today. So that's the one that I think yeah we see I see at least more often than not. You can usually tell when you're when you're in a setting like that yeah. because they 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 don't deal with a block of scripture we would call it a pericope of scripture they don't, yeah. de- they don't deal with a block of scripture they may take a piece of it they'll talk about one verse and then they'll just go do whatever else you know either supports the theme that they're trying to unpack that they went in with or whatever else they want to do in, in, in general and so I think it's the jumping off point a lot of times right I mean it's what are we jumping off with are we yeah. jumping off with scripture? Or are we jumping off with an idea and then going back and – I mean, that's – for audiences, I think that's one way you can really hear it. And what's interesting about this conversation I hadn't really thought about till till we're talking about all this now is that – we have sat in through fifty-five of these episodes together, mm-hmm. almost all. I was I was there fairly early on. Mm-hmm. Um, I came in like ten or something like, something that. like that. Yeah, uh, but. Um, and it's how often have we have have we have said similar things? Yeah, made similar points, applied it very very similarly. I mean, more often than not, we're saying very similar things at the end at the end of the day. Even though you are a very different person than me, I'm a different than you. We have different we have very very similar backgrounds, but very different backgrounds yeah. at the same time. And yet, yeah, we land in the same place a lot of the time. And, uh, that that is a a statement about the philosophy of, of preaching. Yeah. And I also think too, I mean, so for folks that I think one of the, the dangers that I, 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 I find myself dealing with a lot is a philosophy of preaching can sometimes, and I've seen this play out, especially in our tradition, the reformed tradition is becomes a very formulary formulaic style of preaching. This has very little to do with style. You can take the philosophy of preaching that either one of us has really talked about, which are similar philosophies and then stylistically approach yeah. it very different ways yeah um it doesn't have to be it's more the, about the content it's more about the and a big and the big yeah. idea and then how you how you language that is is the is the art are there other sides that you've seen you know that 
that that take i mean other than you know talking about the the the, the spiritual ted talk sort of idea that you've seen really pop out as being alternatives pre- to this. prevalent today as well i i, I do see I, I do see um there are some that i've seen that take they take a scripture but they may be two or three verses and uh and and you're kind of for me i'm just settling in okay now we're going to unpack it now yeah. i'm going to kind of get get into some here's some interesting ways of, of talking about it maybe what others have said in the history of time and um and it really becomes that jumping jumping off point so it's mm-hmm. a, it's a variation on the proof texting of uh, i've got an idea and i'm going to have 50 15 or 20 scriptures that prove the idea mm-hmm. it's i've got i do have a scripture it's it's starting with the scripture so that's similar to what we're mm-hmm. doing but it's oftentimes a, a a shorter scripture and it's dealt with for when you look at the proportion of time that is that when you look at the proportion of time of what you and I do, we spend a fair amount of time talking about uh, what this scripture means so so that it makes sense what our application is. Yeah. And that's really the idea is it makes sense what our application is. But in those settings, I, you know, it's very little bit of time saying this is what it what it means. They're only going to take the big idea and pretty much you have to take my word for it that I've learned yeah. this. Now, here's what I'm going to do with it yeah. as opposed to laying it out for everyone to see for themselves. And I, I don't know about you. I think I, I, there are times where I have to put little uh, warning markers in my own head if I'm protecting proof texting a scripture or not you know yeah i think about that often myself yeah and i because i think we there's always a danger with that because the proof texting is way easier yeah and there's nothing wrong with i mean cross-referencing cross-referencing is different yes are are fantastic and but even i I also think it's harder if you think about it if you're going to do it faithfully if you're going to do topical sermons with multiple scriptures rather than one central scripture Basically, what it means is all the work that we do each week with one passage, yeah. you have to do it with 20 passages to make sure that contextually you've got that one passage down mm-hmm. to be used in this one moment in your in your protecting sermon. If you're trying it's to be, if you're trying to be faithful. I mean, the, the other side is we're, we're going to talk about anger. I'm just giving an example. We're going to talk about anger, and there's nothing wrong with having a sermon based on anger. So I'm going to use every scripture that, that mentions the English word anger, and I'm just going to throw them out there. I'm not going to talk about the like, – uh, machine gun fire them out yeah, there yeah I'm, I'm just going to machine gun them up as points and this is what the bible and and then with the overarching kind of understanding that this is what the bible says about how christians deal with anger period full stop right so one that's really impossible to do um and two you may or may not because then then you have to start then you won't talk about any of the nuance places or things like that so yeah it's it's a it's a catch twenty two. It's a catch twenty two. But I, I just thought that was, you know, good, I think it was topic. important for us to kind of give people that mentality because it when they they because we are in a day and age where people can listen to, in on a Sunday they can listen to, I don't know. That's one of the big changes. How, however many pastors preachers they want to yeah. listen to. It's not unusual for me to hear somebody say that they they they've listened to four sermons that day from four churches. Absolutely, absolutely. Either on TV, the radio, or now. Every just about every church is live streaming, so it's even now they're listening to their nephew's sermon in you know in Maine, and they're watching David Jeremiah, and then they're coming to church here. Which so it, that's a there's a positive side to that, but then there's also a do they understand the difference in in approach? And so I, I just thought it was a good that's idea good for us to kind of talk about that this week. You and I were talking about Luke chapter eighteen, yep. speaking of the pericope, uh, starting with verse uh, nine, uh, talking about uh, two people praying 
uh, uh, and God and Jesus really making some contrasting statements with with that. And uh, I loved how you I loved how you spoke about how there's been a contrast every week so far. Yeah, I, to me, I thought that was just a really interesting point uh, because we we we've talked about you know last week we talked about the idea of, you know where did the parables come from and you you basically said well these are the ones that are just jumping off the page to me and I just thought it was interesting that what's jumping off the page to you is this study in contrasts so far um, and I think it's really telling because we are in a time where we're all we are always self contrasting yeah. with others. That's going to continue this week, by the way. It's going to be the the, uh, the, the yeah. foolish and the wise, yeah. you know, bridesmaids, attendants, virgins, whatever translation you use. But yeah. that that there's a contrast, and into next week as well, too. I mean, I, I I'm already working ahead. I'm not preaching this Sunday, but I'm preaching next Sunday, so I'm working ahead to the uh, the, the 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 parable of the tenants. So you start getting this contrast there too. But I wonder when you're when you're approaching the passage like this with with a tax collector and a Pharisee, you know, one that is um, maybe not the most well-known of parables broadly, but I think within church traditions, it's probably a fairly well-known parable. For those that weren't there, it's Jesus telling the story of two two men going up to the temple to pray. One prays a very, uh, you know, very specific, it's a Pharisee praying about his righteousness and another praying about his sinfulness. So when you're approaching this, this past Sunday's message, where are you trying to go with that mm-hmm. with, with folks? Well, in, in the parable, Jesus honors the the the, the humble one. He, yeah. he honors the one who comes with his head bowed and who can't even look up, and all he can do is you know pound his chest and say, you know, um, have mercy. I I know what I've done, and so for me, it was about unpacking that idea and 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 seeing how it could be put out before a congregation that they could integrate that mindset. Uh, uh, in their own lives, so it was, it was really unpacking a lot of that, which meant that you had to deal with, you know, this again goes back to what we we're saying earlier: who are the Pharisees, mm-hmm. who were the tax collectors, who who should have been the good guys and the bad guys in, in the stories, and what what did Jesus do, and why did he have this reversal of the good guy and the bad guy in the story, and what therefore does that mean for us? And illustratively, what you did was you you took this this concept of humility or pride or pridefulness. And and then kind of demonstrated in a very uh, I think personal way. You talked about your your um, your father with nah. with his grandmother. You know, I, where's my steak? All the other guys are having steak. Give me give me some steak. How that even that mindset of of pridefulness can seep in very easily to us. Mm-hmm. And uh, but with the Pharisees, the interesting part too, and we both mentioned this is. The ori- again, going back to the original audience, hearing this. So, it, with Jesus, you've got you've got the people that are listening to the story as the original audience, and you've got the people for whom Luke is writing as the secondary audience, and we're the we're the we're the the third audience to hear this story. Our reaction to the Pharisee tax collector characters are different than the people listening to Jesus. Yeah, and we both mentioned this, and I wonder if you could talk about that 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 transition where the original audience hearing Jesus is like, yeah, of course the Pharisees pre- praying like that. That's what he spent his entire life yeah. doing versus our reaction, which is if you've been in church, you know, the Pharisees are the bad guys. Yeah. So what's that transition like to you when we was have it, to mention was that? Was it the so one song, the Sadducees are sad, you see? Yeah. The Sadducees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the no, no resurrection side. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so one of the things is interesting when I was doing my, where you are right now, you're working on your doctoral project yeah. right now. And when I was working on mine, one of my sections was on the kingdom of 
God, mm. so kingdom theology. Mm-hmm. And in that kingdom theology, there was a bit about um, the history behind Phariseeism. Mm. And I tried to bring a little bit of that in when I was quoting this one of the, the scholar who talked about the Pharisee was basically being a normal Pharisee. Yeah. But – um, so everybody would have perceived that person to be a, acting as Pharisees act. It would not have been unusual behavior to see a Pharisee praying the way that this Pharisee was praying. Even the separation yeah. that that from there was it was normal. But the interesting thing in kingdom theology is that the backstory behind that comes out of the the exile. When they were exiled into Babylonia, they realized that it was our own unfaithfulness and our own, own disregard for the law that caused the judgment to come upon us. Therefore, and what, what rose out of the post-exilic time, what rose out of that was this, this idea that, well, it, we can fix that by being adherence, strict adherence to the law. Yeah. If we have a re- revival, a renewal of our commitment to the law, and we have a group of people who will rise up to be those leading that charge for that renewal, then the favor of God will, will, will be uh, upon us. And, and so the, that was the rise the idea, of Phariseeism. And the idea that um, it, that with the, with the Roman occupation, the Pharisees were especially feeling the need for separation because of the, the threat of commingling with the Romans, much mm-hmm. like the threat of the commingling with the, the Canaanites and, and how all of that played into their you know their their relative uh, adherence to the law or non, right? And I, and I loved how you talk, how you talked about that. Uh, you, the phrase that I that I wrote down was that the, they fenced the law. They fenced the law. Yeah. They, 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 they you had the law, the six hundred thirteen you know, commandments that are contained in the old and what we call the Old Testament. But then they they just put they put layers and layers upon that, which is the which is the drift that took place from the from the exile to first century Jesus time is that it had just been encrusted yeah. with all of these layers and it had been it what stood started out as something good and, and important and, and and good for even us now to hear is that the honoring of what God intends for our lives is to be done but uh, it had just gotten so hardened that they they were just they're like lobsters yeah That's stuff you don't didn't have in the sermon they're like they're, they're exoskeletal yeah. the good stuff was on the inside but they're so hard on the outside and that's it that you see that consistently Jesus was reacting to that so that was present there and so just trying to get some of that unpacked uh, in the sermon was important well and and this is one of those things that you this there was no time to kind of but i every time we talk about the pharisees i always want to kind of jump in to say the fencing of the law which is this idea you know that the, the law if the if the law is this thing in the center we so don't want to violate the law that we're going to create all these laws around it and one of the things i talk about when i when i'm dealing when i'm teaching in like the book of exodus or or um the you know the book of because you're talking about the law and then how that plays out is that what what really the so that the mentality of the pharisees is they go into it to honor god but really what they're doing is saying god's law is not good enough hmm. so i've got to add these other yeah. protections against violating the law of god because god's law is not holy enough and so i this is didn't this obviously didn't show up in the sermon this it's past sort of week the, you you were you were drift you're leaning into that yeah I can, this I can hear, one of those in my head i'm like oh, i want to really take this but it, this is because not you were the talking point. about the, the 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 disposition of the heart contrast between the Pharisee and the tax collector in, yeah. in the sermon and there was a clear disposition mm-hmm. of the heart and that but that was sort of just beyond what you said so yeah and and I I, I you know with the tax collector whole the whole mentality with the tax collector I, I I there's a hard this is even hard for us to imagine today how hated those people were by 
and, and, I, and I always try to put myself, and, and we've talked about this before, putting yourself into the shoes of the people in the story and the people hearing the story. How would people react hearing the tax collector consistently in Jesus' parables being made the hero? Yeah. Uh, th- this, um, this whole thing, I mean, I, I wonder if, you, if you've ever thought about this. How, like, this would be like, you know, watching Star Wars and Darth Vader being the villain, I mean, the hero. Like, and, and you've, you've been conditioned this whole time, yeah. you know, like, yeah. these are the good guys now, and, and these are the bad guys. And you've been conditioned your entire yeah. life to think, the, and not even just to think that the tax collectors are the bad guys, but to have tax collectors knocking on your door, yeah. demanding payment for this 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 foreign government. Yeah, this wasn't a, this wasn't an abstraction for them. This wasn't a, no. a weird concept for them. And especially, you add to this, uh, you you take this down to village life now, yeah. And you got a small village of people, and you're already socially tight knit, and you get one or however many people in a tax tax collectors in a village, and those people are the they are the the the, the equivalent of the, of the lepers at the time. Yeah. They were the social outcast of the day. So yeah, to have that person be the be the hero of the story was a you know we I, we do we 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 slide right past it. Yeah, and, and I, but, I, that, but then they're they back record scratch, back up back up the car. What did you just say? Yeah, no, there's no way. But but you know clearly Jesus had Matthew around him. He had he he had tax collectors. He had you know, prostitutes. Who, who did he go to? He, you know he he went to these people because they were the ones that the physician needs to heal the sick. That's right, and they were the ones who needed it. I think we just so easily jump over to the the what we commonly know of Pharisees versus tax collectors. Tax collectors are always the heroes of the story. The Pharisees are always the bad guys that sometimes we fail to realize how loud that record scratch really was for that original yeah. audience. And, and, and we can only hammer on that so much in yeah. a, in a message, but the disposition, as you put it really, really, I think it was so, and I, and I heard from people after the eight fifteen service saying to me, Oh wow. You know, pastor John really talking about humility today, really getting at the whole like, humility idea, but you really tied it into a lot of our modern conversations about self-esteem yeah. and making sure they understand the difference between self-esteem and and humility. And I loved what you said. Well, when we have genuine humility, it actually helps us understand how much God loves us, and that actually helps our, our self-esteem. So, yeah. 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 So, I wonder if you had this, this as you're thinking through this, what your, what your thought was in there, too. Yeah. So just so people listening at home, just real quick, because we we, we yeah, are we not get, in a we just got a text, right? It we're not in a recording studio. We're in my office, and we have a preschool, active preschool here at FPC, which we love. And right now, they are going on a bear hunt outside my right, door, right outside. So right. we have a, we have a little ones all. <laughs> Hunting for a bear, so or whatever that means. <laughs> I think there's a song going on a bear hunt, going on a bear hunt. But yeah, so, but 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 actually that 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 actually is is great. This whole idea of the humility piece and and uh, well, because you said what you said was that the fair this this again was your how you talked about the contrast. I thought it was really great that the Pharisee was resting on his own resume. Yeah. Um, I just think that's so funny how he starts talking to God. The idea is that he's supposed to be talking to God. And he's telling yeah. God all these yeah. things, but he's couching it in a in a thanksgiving prayer, which sounds, as you said, sounds good on the surface. I mean, who 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 shouldn't be be praying with thanksgiving in our hearts? But yeah. it, it's what he was thanking God for that was weird. 
Yeah, I don't know if you had this struggle theologically when I'm reading that. I'm like, but but isn't isn't any righteousness that we do a gift of God? Like any time we do anything right, isn't that isn't that isn't the Pharisee right? Like, but again, Jesus makes us helps us understand the heart posture. So if you and I have the posture of, man, I did you know I I had a moment of temptation here, and I chose the right. right. I know that's a gift from God. Thank you, God, that I didn't fall to temptation. That's a different conversation than the Pharisee showing contempt for others by his arrogant. I think you said something really important uh, for for us to to see in multiple places, including multiple modern places, and that is the is that that one person, two people can say the same thing and come at it from a different wow. place in yeah. their heart, and it has completely different. Uh, impact import when it comes to um, our, our your God's favor and desire for that, and what we what we do with that. And you get another good example of that is uh, Zechariah and uh, and Elizabeth. Yeah, you know they had they both of them had um, questions. Yeah, but Ze- Zechariah's was more of a I don't see how this can happen. Yes, yeah, so you're it wrong. Mu- it must not be going be true. Yeah, and and, and Mary's like I, I okay. Yeah, I, I don't understand how it can happen because there's certain things that need to happen. They haven't happened, and uh, and we're talking about the story of uh, the birth of uh, John, the Baptist, John the Baptist and Jesus, and, right? and Jesus. Yeah, uh, and and uh, but Zechariah's heart was not. Yeah. It was was it was full of, of doubt and disbelief. Yeah. Mary's heart was full of questions, but obedience. But obedience. But obedience. Obedience, because she knows all things are possible with God. Yeah. So it's just going to be that that complete trust in God and I, yeah. I think that's in the end what you have because you're right I think the, the and I, that's the thing I was trying to get at the Pharisees were not doing anything unusual for Pharisees and the backstory of the Pharisees made sense for them to want to do this but when the heart is really it, it really was and I and I, I brought this out as well as it really was and you said it was, you what you said was that the the heart is all about the self yeah and uh, and I ca- talked about a bloated sense of self-importance, bloated and, sense and, of self-importance, and, uh, like uh, stuffed with egotism, things like that. That's that that was the issue. And so the contrast is, and the and the question for us today is, if God's going to honor the one who stands humbly, who knows he comes before God with nothing to offer, what does that look like for us? I wonder when you're looking at a passage like this, Pharisees, tax collectors, when. What was was there a, a point of challenge for you going into this specific passage where you're like, what was the part where it was like, uh, this is challenging for for you personally, whether it's the application point or whether it's the the unpacking it or the communication point? What what was it that you well, looked at? I, I think I come into especially a topic like this thinking that I I, I want to be the tax collector. Yeah, but I you, you, you who who doesn't have some secret fears that you might be the Pharisee. And, um, and 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 maybe you can think of circumstances, particular circumstances where you were or are the, the Pharisee and need not be that person. So it really, for me, it was provocative to my own disposition of the heart. Am I coming humbly before God, and is that humility lived out when it comes to being around other people? Uh, yeah, and I, I mean, I, I so echo the challenge every time I come to these passages about uh, about about humility because my I think one of my and maybe this is a thing that that a lot of preachers deal with because because of the nature of the of our of our roles and um you know people are we have such encouraging people here at FPC that, you know that's that's one of those things where you, it can be very easy to fall to the temptation of pride that that 
I personally am so great at this and I'm, you know, I'm so good at this. And, and, and yeah, you were, you were having fun with yourself in the, in the sermon talking about, I'm, I'm so good with, with technologies. Nobody, you know, you could, and I wish I could say that that was, that that was a, just a, an entirely hypothetical internal monologue. <laughs> no, there. That's all true. What you said was true. And so I was nodding my head say, yeah, you really are good with technology and there really are that many who are as good as you with those things. But I hope that the idea is looking at it and saying, I'm so, and how the Pharisee comes at it, and where I have to really watch myself is I'm so much better than they. Yeah. And, and we can get to this because I, I think the thing that's most provocative about this to me, reading that, and, I, and, it, and, it, and it makes me cringe, is when the, when the Pharisee in his prayer points to the tax collector standing right there, standing in the same building, meeting before the same God. I'm so much better. Thank you that I'm not like this tax collector. Not like tax collectors in general. Yeah. Not like the cheats in general. Like, this guy. Dude, I'm standing right here. And yeah. that's that's the part that I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, do I ever think like that? Do I ever have that mentality? But can I just say this, though? The, the, obviously, the contrast is that we, you, we want to be the one yeah. who stands humbly before God and grateful for the gifts that he's given us. Because nothing this – that was part of why I wanted to do the whole self-regard, self-value thing. Is I mean, This is not about – D- diminishing ourselves. In yeah. fact, it is, this is about. Which I really appreciate that re- whole. It is about is about elevating our sense of self worth because the creator of the universe has declared it to be so. Mm-hmm. What you did with that idea is you took that to the grace has been shown to you, and this is when I started and put it in quotes and underlined it, and 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 when you landed the sermon with the, will you answer that call? I pointed the pointed it down to it, and I said, grace. You said grace shown should lead. To grace shared, yeah, yeah, because that humble heart, knowing that we come humbly before God, and by His grace we have been shown uh, mercy, and we are welcome into His heart. He has shown us hospitality and goodness and mercy and forgiveness and so on. That that which is all what grace entails. That that we then turn around and live that way with other people in our lives. And 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 what I what I think about with that is like, well, with whom? Yeah. With whom do I show that? With whom does the person next to me show it, show that grace? Well, it's usually with the people who are difficult to show grace to. They, yeah, they don't need it if they don't. Yeah, they're not there. They, they not, don't need not, to be shown grace. They don't come, need to show. Here comes the challenge. That's, right, that's, that's right. the challenge of it. That's right. And that I think that's that's, great. that's, that's great the stuff. whole idea of, of the humility piece is is understanding our position before God. And and you know as we go through these parables, we have a few more weeks to go. This Sunday, John is in classic. Rebecca is in Vine, so mm-hmm. she'll be back in the armchair with us next week. Uh, and uh, we continue these parables. If you've missed any one of the sermons in this series or any previous series they're up on our website fpclakeland.org click on the sermon archives and you can watch them uh you can go to the sermons themselves watch the entire services which i think is can be very important especially as you have the the prayers before and after the music that's right around it um we're going to be scheduling some time with some of our musicians to talk about building out services and what that looks like and how that helps us in the preached ministry Uh, so make sure you do that go to fpclakeland.org if you've missed any one of our armchair preaching episodes Episodes. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple, um, Google, and uh, Stitcher, and uh, or SoundCloud, and sub- subscribe, hit the like button, share it with your friends. We get more and more people saying.
say, hey, we listen to it. We appreciate it. Um, asking questions. Some of those questions will actually uh, facilitate some they'll of the... make their way into the They'll into make the their podcast. way into the podcast one way or the other. So uh, appreciate all that. And uh, we can't wait to see you next time. John, yeah, thanks for being in the it. armchair. And uh, thanks, everybody. Yeah, thanks for joining us.